Good morning, Debbie. Good morning, Kendall. How are you today? Happy New Year. I'm really happy that we came in this morning and there's sun and you can walk out without your face freezing. <laughs> yeah. You can open the car door, all that, all that kind of stuff. You said the birds were chirping this morning? The birds were chirping this morning. What a beautiful sound. We hadn't heard that in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. So in Charlotte, North Carolina, Lake Norman area, we've had, um, we've had really cold weather, no snow. It's just been freezing. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take the unfreeze while we have it, and we're not going to act like spring is happening today. We'll do a little jig, but we're going to keep our clothes on. <laughs> okay. There you go. So episode 51, um, what I am so excited about is that we have a friend of ours who is part of the, shall I say, extended lighthouse family mm-hmm. in many ways. Mm-hmm. And um, our guest today is Andy Silver, who is just going to be a treat because he's very multifaceted. We're going to call this show uh, A Spiritual Mediator Reports from the Lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> So, Andy is, among many things, uh, he is a comedian, and so that'll probably shine through this morning, mm-hmm. but he is a mediator. He, he's a divorce mediator. He is, um, works in other types of mediation. He's also a mediator across the veil, so on the spiritual side of life, on the side that uh, we can't always see, he, he has the same job, it appears. Mm-hmm. So he works as, uh, as a psychic medium in that realm and uh, mediates people who are not in skin <laughs> with people who are. <laughs> right, right. And then he also, uh, he also has an organization called Resolution Experts, and we'll give out some information later about all that. But Andy is such a character. I'm so happy that he's joining us today so that we can learn, because I look at him also as a, well, he reports from the field, you know, but he's a senior journalist reporting from the field and I say that you know truly he's I consider him he's been in spiritual community for quite a long time he's at least you know not to age him but he's earned it he's double my age and so I really appreciate um the uh what he has to share from that perspective yeah and I'm just tickled because I never would have guessed in a million years when I met Andy two years ago maybe three years ago at Shift Charlotte he did a veil mediation for me, and I was really struggling, and that's how I originally met him. And here we are today in a very different different place in life and um, part of community together. So it's just a, a beautiful blossoming. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. You know, things just seem to work in this flower pattern, and these people come back around yeah. back to the center, and... Um, you know, I had the privilege of doing a hypnosis session with, with Andy because hypnosis is another aspect of his work. And, you know, we ran the gamut. I, I shed tears, but I also found myself, you know, laughing hysterically because just the perspective is just gorgeous. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, so what I want to do before we launch into um, bringing Andy on live here is... Just mention a few things about what's happening at our home-based lighthouse in January because it's a pretty busy month. Yeah, we have this very full January calendar and a couple things that have already taken place, um, one of which is going to be an ongoing monthly opportunity. It's um, a whole self-art journaling with Marie Nadeau, 
Nadu, Nadu, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, but she is just a joy and you took her class this last Saturday and it really opened you up in ways that you had really been seeking. And um, it was a great exploration and it's something that uh, will happen every first Saturday of the month. So everything that I'm gonna talk about here is um, available content-wise and registration-wise on our website under the classes and events tab on the menu. And that's actually at lighthousespiritualcenter.com. Correct. Spiritualcharlotte.com. Yes, thank you. Can be accessed from our from our main hub website, yep. but just clarity. Yeah. So we have uh, this Friday on the 12th, we have Drumming for Wellness with Julie Alexander, and that's been a very popular event. Kendall, you've actually brought your family, and you all just loved it. Mm -hmm. You can bring your own drum. Um, Julie also provides all different kinds of drums and noisemakers. From all over the world. Yeah, yeah, so that's a really neat experience. On the 13th, we have um, an essential oil class with a make and take with Amy Sutton. We also have light language sound Arshan that evening. I'm just going to spin through these real quickly. On the 17th, um, we begin a book study with Marianne Williamson's A Return to Love. And this class is being taught by Laura Mock. It's a six class series. Um, space is limited, so you wanna sign up early. Perfect for people who always wanted to do A Course in Miracles but didn't. Right. This is kind of like a, a nice abbreviated jaunt into that. Yes, because yeah. Marianne writes about the, um, she kind of recaps the perspectives that are being taught in um, A Course in Miracles. On the 20th, which is a Saturday. We have Psychic Saturday, which is the third Saturday of every month. So there'll be several intuitive readers um, here. Again, this is all a pre-registration thing. It's not a walk-in kind of event. So please hop online and look at who our readers are gonna be. And I wanna say something about that. That's a really great opportunity to have a reading that is possibly more abbreviated and therefore maybe a little more affordable mm -hmm. than what you, if you normally would be needing to book an hour. Um, Andy, our guest today, is often one of the readers there, and so I highly recommend, um, in lieu of calling, uh, you know, a 1-800 number <laughs> and not knowing who you're going to get, yeah. you have somebody you can have a relationship with face-to-face -face here in a local community who can bring that gift of healing to your life. Right, and something else yeah. that I think we need to point out is the fact that Anyone who is here on that Psychic Saturday providing those kinds of services, we personally have experienced. Yes, 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 yes. High integrity, yes. very gifted. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, the 20th, uh, that's the Psychic Saturday. And also in the evening, we have another essential oil meditation kind of experience with Amy Sutton. And so that class will be a little different than the class on the 13th. All this content is on the website. And on the 27th, um, we have a life coach that offices here out of Lighthouse, Terry Carver, and she is running her Create Your Life Vision Board workshop. And so this is a great opportunity if you need to get some focus on your desires and your plans and your intentions for this year. This is a four-hour workshop where she will work with you very closely mm -hmm. to help you create that vision and kind of outpicture it in a way that you can then take home. I love that that's happening at the end of the month because a lot of us get the delayed start. There's a lot of pressure on <laughs> the first week. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, is that what we have so far for January? January, well, we do also have regular mindfulness and meditation classes for adults on Thursdays. And um, that's Thursday evenings. And we have spiritual fellowship every Sunday morning from 11 to 1230. So a lot going on, lots of choices and different avenues and ways for you to kind of Stick your toe into the water at Lighthouse. If you've never been here, 
Uh, maybe one of these classes will speak to you and you can come explore for yourself what else is offered here. Absolutely. So, you know, one of our goals is just to always have an environment where practices are available so that when you're on this journey, you're supported, period. And you can find community and you can get new resources. And um, as you're doing deeper and deeper work, there's places to remind you to be present with yourself. Exactly. So now for the fun stuff. Drum roll. <laughs> Let's welcome Andy Silver to the show. Hi, guys. Hi, Andy. A pleasure to be with you. Been looking forward to this. We're always excited when you're here with us, Andy. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. We're going to do our best to follow you this morning because we know your humor is so sharp that uh, that we have to be on our toes, right? You never know what's going to happen. But, Andy, I am excited because um, I see you as this, like, having this trifecta of this mediation, this hypnosis, this um, psychic medium uh, skill set. Can you talk a little bit about your, your work and possibly your journey um, through some of this work? Sure. Um, I was just a normal kid growing up in Tarrytown, New York, about 25 miles north of New York City. And um, nothing eventful happened or uneventful either way. Um, until I was 10 and I was standing outside on a summer day in the backyard and all of a sudden I just felt my heart just open up as if, and I was in a state of ecstasy and nothing unusual had happened that day or was happening in my life. So I was in fifth or sixth grade and I wasn't doing well in school. I had some real undiagnosed learning issues with math and English and I just so I would just was, I felt like I was under the thumb of self-judgment and around a lot of bright kids but not keeping up with them and all of a sudden this experience just filled my heart and I felt like I could float up into the sky and I it lasted maybe a minute or so and then I I went in the house just as if I should tell somebody, but I couldn't find anybody, and I was actually relieved mm -hmm. because this needed to be private. Mm -hmm. And I came outside, and it happened again. And I guess just to remind me that this wasn't just something I made up. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, squirreled that away somewhere, forgot about it for decades. Um, and the thing, other thing of a metaphysical nature that occurred in um, high school. My grandmother, who would come up from Baltimore, Maryland, she was our only grandparent on my mother's side, and she said something to me, one sentence. We, my family were all life insurance people. Nothing of a metaphysical nature ever was mentioned. We <laughs> lived on the Reader's Digest, and my parents <laughs> talked about Dale Carnegie and the Influence People book. And that was it. There wasn't any other material. There were no other ideas. Mm -hmm. And she said something once, and my parents were standing about 10 or 15 feet away. They didn't hear this. But I think she said it in the way she said it so that I could be reassured they might hear this. And what she said was that when she was a young girl, she had been to a palm reader who had told her that she would marry three times and outlive all three husbands. And our only grandfather was her second husband. 
who had come into my mother's life when my mother was a teenager. And I was initialed as after my grandmother's first husband, my father's, my mother's husband, uh, father. So, and I just was dumbfounded. I never heard of palm readers. I didn't know what that meant. I was, and I suppressed that for years because it doesn't didn't fit anywhere. Mm-hmm. So all this was like waiting in the <laughs> realms of the subconscious, ready to come up at a certain point. Steeping. Steeping exactly <laughs> like tea. Exactly uh-huh. right. Steeping. Yep. And um, so I um, went away to school. Um, had some learning issues. I looked good on paper because in high school I took a lot of classes and. But I was, I had some major weaknesses and I wasn't doing well at this little Quaker school in Indiana. And while walking across campus, I heard some kids that I didn't know mention that there was about a school that went around the world. They mentioned one sentence. I was walking close enough to them. I was, had already gotten a letter that I was about to be, I was on probation my sophomore year. And I had good habits. I just couldn't quite comprehend the material. And... I went over and found out about the school. I went to a payphone, which is all we had back then, made a call. The next semester out of Long Island started in three days, and they had one place open. Mm-hmm. I just packed up my little trunk or whatever I guess I had back then, suitcase, and hitchhiked to Long Island from Indiana and was in. And it was a hands-on learning environment, just exactly my learning style. But back then, no, the idea of learning styles was never mm-hmm. brought up. And so I had a fabulous rest of my college experience, got to mentor with people all over the world. And this was not an elaborate school. This was, we hitchhiked around the world, but it was accredited through the State University of New York, <laughs> which was the most important because I had a draft that I was trying to keep my student exemption. Mm-hmm. And the draft was huge because I did not want to go to Vietnam. Mm. And what year was this? This was, I went to college in 67 and I heard about the, around the world in 69 mm-hmm. and I graduated in 71 72 um, so that was my up to that moment now, as a, my life started to take and make major turn and you asked the, the trifecta in these three things mediation hypnosis and the intuitive stuff and as a college senior I was about to get drafted I was in great distress about that and I got a flyer in San Francisco work, while working on my senior paper in psychology. And the inner city church had a, was like a supermarket of good causes. They had everything. And they had the district attorney of Mendocino on the, county, on the board of directors. And they had the vice president of the United States under President Lyndon Johnson, Hubert Humphrey, who had written a letter of endorsement. And I... We come from a family of Democrats, so Humphrey's word meant a lot. And they'd done all these great things, and the minister had taken a strong stand against the war in Vietnam. Mm. And I went to check it out. Hadn't been in that uh, middle school or junior high school building but two, three minutes, November of 71, and all of a sudden I just felt dread. I was just filled with a sense of dread. I'd never felt that way before about anything. I didn't know what to do with it. And he also looked familiar. And I was at the way back part of the auditorium. There were hundreds of people in there. I got there late, so I was at the very back. And I didn't know what to do. And I didn't have anybody in speed dial. I had nobody to call. Mm -hmm. 
my parents sort of were like wanted me to go to Vietnam. They didn't sense the dread. I felt like I was on a canoe perched about 50 feet before the Niagara Falls takes off and I was in no condition to fly over the Niagara Falls and go to Vietnam with my, the way I thought about stuff. And uh, it was a pretty alarming time. And here we had the district attorney. And they had all these lawyers walking around offering free legal service. They had support. So I just overrode my concern, my dread. So there were people in the room that kind of intellectually told you that this was safe and it was okay. Oh, yeah. They, he looked great on paper. He looked fabulous on paper. He later became, was named by the mayor of San Francisco as the head of housing for the city. And it was rumored that Governor Jerry Brown, who back then was governor and is governor today in California, was considering naming him for the Department of Corrections. I mean, this minister looked really good on paper. And in most services, you had the police chief, you had the uh, county commissioners, we, that back out there, they call them the Board of Supervisors. They had all kinds of politicians in there on the San Francisco church and the LA church for votes. Big churches. So all kinds of respectability. Mm -hmm. Here I have dread. Yeah, your inner compass is kind of like, mm, something's not right. Something's wrong here. But you're young. I'm 22. Yeah. And I just suppressed it. Mm. Now, in hindsight, because hindsight is always 2020, <laughs> and hindsight helps helped me see that, you know, I went through that experience, and the way my subconscious works, which is what leads me to my interest in hypnosis, is that that part knows the right thing to do, but didn't get any support from me. Mm -hmm. So it looked for a way for me to stay alive in this mm -hmm. environment. Mm -hmm. And I was in that church for seven years and three weeks. So what ties you to a, a minister that, I mean, aside from when you walk in the door, it looks like you're gonna get support to not have to go into the draft. Yeah. What ties you to the community? Two things. One positive, one negative. One is that the belief systems matched mine. Okay. Interracial congregation, social justice agenda, uh, very much involved in the community, not isolated. But what this was was a cult, and the word cult had not been invented yet. We had, um, what's that guy, Manson? What's his first name? Charles Manson. Charles Manson. He was about that time. He was. He did the awful things that he did, but the word cult hadn't been created, and um, the minister's name was Jim Jones, and the church was the People's Temple, and um, so it was an enormous experience in American life to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. come from that background. So that's it. Was a hands-on experience now. As a high school student, I happened to read a paper, uh, an overview for a book that was written about just a year or two before I graduated called Obedience to Authority. And it was about a number of people in a kind of a clinical setting who were not tested, but offered the opportunity to go through the protocol. And 62% of them did things um, in which they symbolically took the life of somebody and they use the justification that the researcher was standing there and they better comply even though they're, they didn't feel good about it. Mm. So you can read about that on Wikipedia. But that was the book. 
The author's name was Stanley Milgram. And I never guessed that that experience of reading.
resolution because I realized that corporate life is, is a very tentative and temporary situation because there's always downsizing and I wanted to have more control. So I got this master's and I've always been asked and approached within DuPont to come resolve high level conflict and I had no t training in how to do it. I just intuitively made it up. It worked out. But I thought that, you know, I need more training. So I got the training. <laughs> yeah. You're going to discover. Yeah, like, uh-oh. <laughs> I got the training. And so I started doing divorce work. And then government, finally FEMA hired me and brought me to New York for Hurricane Sandy for a two-month contract. Mm. And that was quite interesting. And I was thrilled when that contract was over so I could come back to Charlotte. Mm. But I got a chance to visit around the Tarrytown area since mm. that's where I was from. And um, uh, so I've just, I'm very interested in the, all the ways that conflict resolution skills can be applied. And as a kid, I've oh, had my North Star had been to be an international mediator <laughs> working <laughs> with Israel and Palestine. I always thought the United States was not the right party to facilitate those mm. because we're too closely aligned. Mm. Mediators have to be in the middle. So, I've, and I knew I would never get called to work in the Foreign Service, but I've acquired huge chunks of the skills necessary to do that and decided I was just going to go for it. And that's why I picked divorce because it was the toughest place as a non-attorney mediator that I could grow and develop and bring what I had. What does it mean to you to be somebody who is able to be in the middle? Because I see you that way. Yeah, I know. I it's It's... The words that go with that are being neutral. Mm -hmm. And the, the practice of that internally within myself is to be neutral but and to notice what's going on, but not to, it, to um, be able to talk about it without being wrapped up in it. Now, we are wrapped up. We're human. Mm -hmm. We have mm -hmm. stuff. So I have a lot of spiritual practices that help me to stay in a state of balance. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, how we all are. On most days, unless we get, unless we get challenged, right. I would say that my practice has probably helped me get back into balance, probably a little bit faster than other people because I have the practices that I have are really ones that I go to even when I don't feel like it. So there's a sense of just instinctively going to those because it's not about how we feel about it; it's just doing it. So it's mediate, it's meditation, and it's prayer, it's tithing. It's service, tithing of time and talent to others. It's reading spiritually uplifting literature. Mm -hmm. I try to keep violence and scary stuff to a very bare minimum mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it's hanging out with like-minded people. Mm -hmm. It's being accountable. I have a big believer in 12-step programs because it's um, those are just fabulous tools for staying in balance mm -hmm. and for making oneself accountable and we are as um, sick as our secrets and so I'm just in the business of kind of reaching inside to pull out stuff that I don't dare talk about and talking about it in mm. safe in safe places where confidentiality is the agreement that everybody in the room has with mm -hmm. what's shared mm -hmm. So you hold safe space for people. Yes. And your your personal practices to gain balance or to maintain balance are ways of staying in alignment with 
the center of your spirit, your spiritual mm-hmm. center, however you want to label that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. That's where your balance is. Mm-hmm. And the, the ideas of neutrality yep. um, mean that there's no judgment. And when you're holding space for someone and being a witness... And it, if I have judgment, I just notice it and try not mm-hmm. to buy into it. Because mm-hmm. I'm human. I'm supposed to mm-hmm. have judgment. I'm wired to have judgment. It's a question of what I do so that it doesn't mm-hmm. influence my ability to mediate. I've had mediations where the parties in the room are not people I would ever gravitate to in any circumstance at all. But I'm called as a mediator. It's mm-hmm. a sacred role that I'm in and it's the only role very few roles in this society where a person is neutral the only other role similar to mediation is an ombudsman it's spelled (laughs) O-M-B-U-D-S I've been an ombudsman it's a Swedish word it means internal neutral Mm -hmm. and I've been that and it's it's an essential role it's the the role that helps protect the brand and allows an organization to have a few hours of getting the report of something wrong from the ombudsman without it mentioning who did it or who reported it so they can hopefully shift it and change it and fix it before it hits the public and does them a lot more serious damage. So I don't know why growing up uh, we were near the ombudsman. I don't know why. My sister, I felt like, hung out somewhere where they were. Where they were. I don't know if they had a building at, at, where she went and did stuff. I don't remember. Wow. So it's funny. I haven't heard that word in a long time. Mm-hmm. But I love that you say that uh, that you do have judgment and that um, and that the way that you work through it is with the tools that you've, that you've set in place mm-hmm. for yourself. Right. Because mm-hmm. I, I find it very interesting sometimes in spiritual community where people try to become unhuman beings, mm-hmm. which then just really has the very opposite effect, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So it's beautiful to me that you don't deny the reality of that. And that's why I love stand-up comedy. <laughs> because it's a chance for my humanness to hang out and have fun. Mm. And I'm normally, I'm quite a private person. I mean, I have to work at this. Comedy doing this is, doesn't come easily to me. I wasn't funny as a kid. I had to take a class. Mm-hmm. I did. I took a class in the comedy zone. The same week that I finished my master's in conflict resolution, I committed to being a divorce. Because I knew if you're going to be a mediator, you have to have a sense of humor. And I didn't have one. Mm-hmm. Only humor I had were the jokes in the back of the Reader's Digest. And, and I saw a lot of crass material offered by uncles and people that I didn't like because they were just disgusting. Mm. Stuff today with post-Harvey Weinstein that we would say is disgusting. Before all this has surfaced, we might say unpleasant. I'm going to name it as disgusting Mm. because that's where we finally got to in our awareness. Mm -hmm. And it was a turnoff and I... Never liked the fact that I was kind of had an emotionally sensitive nature. I thought that was awful. A vocational test that I took in high school told me three tests that I professions I should consider, and all of them were just awful. <laughs> so you were to be a counselor, a counselor <laughs> an artist, uh, a counselor. I was not an artist, okay. I, but I. Uh, a funeral director oh, mm-hmm. and a life insurance person. Now, you know I couldn't do life insurance. <laughs> I'd have been the third generation. I wasn't going to do that. And I tried it. 
when I was 40 for a few months. And mm-hmm. it was t- I just, I can't squeeze people. <laughs> and I value my friends, and that's who you have to go to. Ah, yeah, that's where you start. You, you yeah. start with that. So, uh, yeah. so, so with the with the comedy and the the journey yeah. that you took, um, I know that you have mentioned before that the the all this has been a process of you finding your authentic voice. Right. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, yes. Um, I. Um, so Irma Bombeck was a humorist with a Florida newspaper and passed away maybe 10 to 15 years ago. And her famous quote was in the form of a prayer that she be able to use up all her talents before she passed. And that is something that when I heard that, I did not know what my talents were. But I thought, I love that quote and I really want to be loyal and faithful to whatever they are. I looked at them as little seedlings. Some of them were developed. I had a sense about the mediation. The others, I knew about the hypnosis, but I didn't know about a bunch of others. And I just thought, I'm going to encourage whatever's in that garden and is already in the soil, but needs cultivation and nourishment. And let me find out what that is, what's in there. So I've really been like a little farmer with my watering can and looking at doubt, because doubt is like weeds. They take over a garden in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And you have to weave the the consciousness, the awareness, and go. And so some of the tools that have helped me are some, I'm a collector of wisdoms from other cultures based on that cross-cultural university experience I went through. And Angelus Arian has been one of my teachers. She is from a little community in the Pyrenees between France and Spain. And her grandmother gave her a lot of coaching and mentoring and she was a storyteller in this country for many years until she passed away recently and that's a scary thought that doesn't need to happen is one of her quotes that's a scary thought that does not need to happen and to train the brain as soon as it moves into fear which quite frankly it is it just gravitates to scary stuff mm-hmm. we have to train that and I was just noticing on my drive to see you guys this morning, just teaching, t- training my, talking to myself now that we, you can, it's okay to, to slow down and get another foot between you and the car in front. Now let's do two feet and let's do three. And just because the habit is to get too close. Not, but so the police would pull me over, but you know, there's room to give a little more space. I mean, this is, Lake Norman, right? We have room. If we just say we have room, we can have it. And safety is always something we can pay more attention to. So just treat, treat, you know, because otherwise if I don't do anything, I'll be within the normal respected of about 25 when I could have 40 feet between me and the next car. You know, Andy, one of the things that I think is so refreshing about you is you talk a lot about safety. Right. And I think that many of us just don't feel that safe. You know, I think a lot of people just don't feel that safe in their skin, in the world, around people. And it's not something we really always cognitively know about ourselves, but, but that you know that. And, um, and you said one time to me something that will stick, I think, always, which is that you need, we need to go as slow as your slowest member. And that was a statement of safety 
for me. Can you talk a little bit? Have you noticed this with people? Mm -hmm. The same thing? Yeah. Yeah. And I am. Um, I'm very lucky because I'm in a very unusual relationship now. I was married for many years and I spent a year in my cave. I came out and I went to the wisest woman I knew and I said, all right, when I'm ready to meet somebody, I'd like you to suggest them to me because she knew everybody. And I need somebody that I wouldn't know and who where there's compatibility. And she called me a few weeks later and she says, all right, I've got somebody. I said, good, I'll have lunch with them. And that's how I met Annette. And Annette and I have been together gone eight years. Mm. And so we're very different on some things and we got that out on the first day but safety is important and and the idea that, that that's how native, that apparently a Native American thing is among the tribe that the tribe can only walk at the speed of its slowest member so I have members parts in here inside myself that are slow my IT function in terms of the ability to new stuff is slow. I have to get help. <laughs> You're talking technology, right? Okay. Exactly. I'm slow and I can't put pressure. I can't pretend that's not true. Just have to make accommodations for it. And um, so you asked that question. Where that comes from relative to safety is Maslow. He had the hierarchy of needs. Abraham Maslow in 1941, a psychologist was contracted to work for the U.S. government to help all these returning soldiers get acclimated and become self-actualizing again because they'd been abroad in Europe fighting a terrible war and had been through huge degradation and their psyches were shattered and they needed to get back into the swing of things. So he talked about safety as one of the five building steps. So I think we just have to... I'm always looking for where I don't feel safe. And I, and I have... And I always bring that up in a mediation because mediations are places where scary things happen. Mm -hmm. Now, I have amicable people that in the room who want a divorce, and they both want a divorce, and they all know I'm not an attorney. They've all signed an agreement to mediate and recognizing that I'm not an attorney, but I'm certified to do this. And when I feel fear inside the, in the room, it, it's in my stomach that I notice it because I didn't have it when I walked in five minutes before. I talk about that because mm. they're into alarm and maybe one of them has threatened the other. I don't know what's going, what went on with them before they came in there. But I said, I need you guys to own your stuff here. And when I talk about the fear I'm feeling and them owning what's going on with them, then the fear starts to leave the room. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we can get on with the business that we're there for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Andy, I want to talk about a little bit about how you moved more fully into your work as a intuitive medium or psychic medium. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can clarify what you call that. Yeah. Um, and really, like I said, a mediator to those without skin and those mm -hmm. with. So, can you tell us about that? Sure. Well, uh, so as a mediator, and I've got huge investment in my training, credentials, etc., and when I really, and I knew that when I finally was had the courage to roll out and tell the public and put on my website, I, I knew the everybody knew I had an NLP background, but I added hypnosis. I thought, oh, people are going to be horrified. <laughs> well, you know, everybody was fine with it. It was just me, my image of what the hell I thought people would like. 
So years go by and I'm now just doing divorce and hypnosis. And finally, I've taken more training. I mean, I've taken excessive amounts of training to trust my intuition and have the results be consistent. And finally, I thought, I, I just don't have the courage to do this under my own name. Mm -hmm. I had found one federal agency attorney who was a psychic. I thought, well, yeah, that's a role model. I still can't do it. So I found <laughs> a organization that operates a call center mm -hmm. and needs people to do work by phone and requires that all their psychics have a pseudonym. I said, okay, I can do this, maybe. Now, I, I've never called one of these things. I have the, the worst opinion of these things. I think of Sister Cleo. Mm -hmm. Awful. I don't have any <laughs> regard for this. And they put me through some very tough interviews and tests and proving, and they have a lot of policing of their people they have that they send work to. I thought, okay, there's a little more credibility here. So I finally get in the swing, and I have now been doing, I've just finished 3,750 readings in the last almost three years. And I do it when I have time. And I'll do 20 hours if I have the time and schedule on it. And it's all working fine. Well, one of the most unusual cases bears right here in this conversation has relevance. So a young woman, because I only know people's first names. I know no details. And I don't want details. And I'm only good. We're not allowed to talk about medical or healthcare, legal issues, coastal flooding, the lottery, births and deaths. Those things are strictly forbidden. And the organization sends mystery shoppers through on a regular basis huh. who pretend to be customers mm -hmm. to make sure that we're sticking to the rules. Mm -hmm. And we've signed a contract and it's as above board as they could possibly be. And so all I do is I do three things and that's all people call me for. I help people clear up conflict with the workplace and all I have is the first name of the manager or conflict at home and or a parent if it's a ch adult maybe child parent situation or a parent concerned about their daughter who's in high school whatever all I have is first names or if it's a deceased loved one and there is not closure with that person then I tune in and I describe what the deceased person looks like or sounds like and the person on the phone validates, yes, that's exactly what they would say. That's why they're indicating in spirit this thing that they're indicating to you. So I'm going to give you a, a real one. Because none of a, this was a, a great gift the way it happened. Young woman calls. Her parents have died fairly recently. And she had two guys that she regarded as her spiritual brothers that were friend, friends of each other. And they had also passed on it. She just wanted to know kind of where she was in the universe and a sense of that they were looking out for her. That there was a sense of continuing relationship from the other side. That's what she wanted. So I, she didn't, I didn't do anything with the parents, but I did something with one of the two guys. And as I tuned into him, he was, he was wearing a white shirt. And I indicated that to her. She, that's what all he ever wore, she said. And he reached in through the flap in the shirt material and he pulled out a red bird. And he said, why is he showing me a red bird? And she said, because the second guy's name is Cardinal. <laughs> <laughs>
I love the humor of that because <laughs> I could have never made that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love that, and I didn't know the second guy's name at all, and I. I say prayers to start because I think when you work with the other side, you better say some prayers. And but it's doubt time, and I'm hanging out there on the diving board with doubt, and I'm it, the doubt is just a little bit less after two and a half years. <laughs> just a smidge. <laughs> just a smidge. <laughs> you know, we had a such a good candid conversation about that one day here at Lighthouse, and. And I think that experience is the same for all all of us that that do yes, that work and exactly right. But um, but also that that they that that those you know this idea of the humor, uh, the personality that came out there, those personalities and the the humor that is still available. Yes, and, I know. And people look and I love the idea that there's a, actually a relationship, but not skin to skin like mm. there used to be, but little synchronicities can show up. And if you add these synchronicities up and keep them in a journal so you don't forget them, you'll realize there's a pattern mm -hmm. and there's communication. Some of it may be in dreams if you're lucky. Some of it may be in other, other coincidences. But if you look at the entire range of ways that communication is happening, including, and somebody could say, well, how come I just saw this the uh, ad on the side of the bus in front of me in traffic and it had my hometown phone number on it, and I live across the country, isn't that weird? I go, well, yeah, but if you add up everything else, there's something, and I can't explain what the something is, but it's interesting. Mm -hmm. So it sounds to me like what you're up to all these, all this time, yes. between the corporate work and the, the hypnosis and the, oh my God, this, I mean, it's like you have a resume that's like, yeah, if I was having to hire you, I'd have to go through it three times because you, <laughs> you've been around. Sure. So it sounds like all the all this work has always been spiritual mediation. It's true. And what does it really boil down to then? It boils down in one sense to trusting, well, for me, to trust what pops up. And I will, it's almost like I'm talking to somebody and it happened on the phone with that little girl on the Skype and the flashlight under the bed, wherever she lived in the country. It's There's a drop-down menu, and all of a sudden, there's this image that just pops up over somebody's head. And I have to just notice that and honor it and ask about it. And inevitably, it, it leads to, helps me navigate and brings a depth to a relationship or a conversation, at least, that can lead to interesting things. Where that image comes from, I do not know. So people are calling you today. They're calling you for what services today? Well, today there's the usual range of mediation in the mm -hmm. family. I do some state and federal agency work. That's one thing. Then the NLP hypnosis, uh, and I got I've helped people get into graduate school who needed deep work to clear out um, doubt um, or children with other kinds of test phobia stuff. And then on the intuitive side, there's all kinds of things. And I mentioned the three areas of work, Lights, Family, and the C-Flood ones that I work in. Um, and then my comedy is just 
to have fun. And I'm doing a performance actually on um, January 22nd, Monday night. And where's that going to be? It's going to be at a little interesting little bar <laughs> in Huntersville called In the Wind. In the Wind. In the Wind. I performed there in November. <laughs> I'm not a bar person at all, but nice people and they have open mic night. Yeah. So. Did you bring any jokes with you today? Did I bring any? <laughs> I think I might have. Yeah. I'll just offer a couple. So I used to have a bag of my bag of uh, background was kind of like a bag of M&Ms. There was mediation, there was meditation, and there was medication. <laughs> nice. But there's no medication. That's just for the sake of the joke. <laughs> well, when a friend of mine went to see the bariatric physician, he totally lost it. <laughs> He had gone to see the bariatric physician because the advertisement said our patients are wearing a little thin. <laughs> and finally, only with prosthetics can you remain in good standing. <laughs> I make these up when I swim, and that's one of my other rituals. Oh, okay. Uh, they come to me when I swim, and it's because... I swim with two guys that uh, have relocated, shall we say. Unusual guys. And when they moved out of town, shall we say, I mm -hmm. said to them, you won't need your material where you're going. Mm -hmm. And I want you to send me stuff. Sure. And one of them is George Carlin. Mm -hmm. And one of them is Robin Williams. Okay. <laughs> and water is a beautiful conduit, isn't <laughs> yes, it? Yes, it is. Nicely said. And you yes, hang out is. with friends in high places. I nicely said, Austin. That's true. I do. Well, I've seen you do. I've seen you jot down. I've seen you in normal conversation. Right. Say you you travel with pen and paper. I know. And you use the moment to see what is there, That's and true. it's lovely. It's mm -hmm. just awesome. Thank you. So, Andy, you know, I I think that. Um, well, you've been around the block. <laughs> I have been. <laughs> and you know, in a good I, way. In a, in good, a good way. way. In, in a good, good way. way. You're a treasure trove. So, yeah. yeah, and I think that that the the local community, yeah, does that. It would be if somebody hears the show and and looks you up, um, yeah. which by the way can happen through andysilver.us. Right. That's my intuitive uh, website and my Andy at Resolution. Experts with an S dot com is my hit is my meta, uh, mediation website. That's your email, Andy at Resolution yes. Experts. But the the website is resolutionexperts.com. Right. Okay, and that's for the divorce mediation. Yes. Yeah. And I really feel like if people run into you, they should just know there's just like a whole lot going on there, and it's worth a conversation, and it's worth some hugs, and it's and it's worth because um, even in our local area, you have been here how long 36 years mm -hmm. and been in spiritual healing community yeah. that long exactly mm -hmm. yeah so you're kind of like a walking history book for that side of things as well i've seen things when cows were grazing five minutes down providence road from downtown <laughs> that's what it was like in 1981 and it, you mentioned some of the early stuff that i'll mention just yeah. a couple of things yeah um 
So one of the early intuitives in Charlotte um, was a woman named Gabrielle Hartman. She was an astrologer. And every year in January, she would put together what was going to happen by month for the rest of the year. And when the Panther, uh, the uh, Hornets took got a franchise here, I remember one of her articles was about the Scorpio, which is the sign for the the Hornets, and how they were gonna what the history here was gonna look like. And um, so I, I'm not an astrologer, but I just remember Charlotte kind of embraced her because she had an unusual skill set, and her family now runs a the Laurel Street Market on Laurel Street right in Eastover. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, um, there's little snippets of history that I wrote down. Um, one of John Belk's, he was the mayor and has the department stores, as you know, the Belk family. And one of his brothers was huge into intuitive stuff, a guy mm. named Henry Belk. Um, we had the New Age Society back then. That was a group that's probably long gone and this is all before facebook exactly right <laughs> there was a neat neat guy in mooresville who wrote an article for years for the mooresville times and he worked for the medium security prison in mooresville but he was an intuitive and he was in charge of finding prisoners that would escape huh. and his name is tom pool a friend of mine and he would write something that was encrypted every January that would spell out what was going to happen every month. It was He had to really work hard to decipher the clues that he would embed in that monthly reading. So little things like that. And finally, I'll mention Steve Nelson, who we, you know, Charlotte Douglas Airport. Well, the Douglas is named after a guy with, who used to sell furs, F-I-R-S. And on the corner of, um, what street was that on? Elizabeth, it was the side of a building. And Steve Nelson first came to, he'd been in town forever and he's passed away a few years ago, but he, he had a huge mural on the side of the Douglas Fir uh, building. <laughs> and, um, and he became a world-renowned astrologer doing mythic astrology, he and his wife. And um, just people that you wouldn't hear about unless Oh, and finally, got to mention Vaughn Boone. Vaughn Boone just passed away in the last year. He was 101, lived in Mooresville most of his life, had a chemical company, but fabulous, interesting guy. And he played guitar, just a warm, caring person. Wrote a book, several actually, but one of them, Angels Among Us. And in the 60s and 70s, he and his wife, he's taken a lot of kids or befriend them who are on drugs and just a very generous, warm, outgoing kind of concern for young people at that time. But he had an ability as a healer. But he didn't like to advertise it because it was not something that would be accepted very well. But parents would call him when their child was had a severe medical problem as an emergency basis in the hospital. And Vaughn would be called in the middle of the night, go see him and Oftentimes, that child would get out of there in a couple of days, and nobody quite knew why. Lots of stories about that in his book, Angels Among Us. That is so, you know, I feel like that you should have a column, to be honest, because mm -hmm. there's history that's stored away in you that uh, we need. 
Okay. Interesting. Interesting mm-hmm. thought. Mm-hmm. Someone will have to mention more about what that would look like, but that's an interesting idea because we shouldn't lose our history. We shouldn't lose it, yeah. And, you know, that you have lived all this life and that, um, that we have the honor of interviewing you about it and that mm. we can still glean um, not mm. only good humor, but some very useful, um, useful things for healing. Well, so thank you. Very sweet. Thank you, Andy. Yes. Totally. So I want to, I want to make it clear that people can contact you at Andy at resolution experts.com. Right. They can learn more about you and your divorce mediation at resolution experts.com. And they can learn more about your intuitive, um, and spiritual mediation work, hypnosis and comedy work mm-hmm. at andysilver.us. That's right. And if people need a comedian who is not going to be too off co- color, be very they sh- clean. They, sh- they should give you a call. Exactly. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Thank both. You, I've enjoyed it a lot. It's Thank always you. a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. Yeah. Great to be with you. <laughs> and we will join the rest of you on episode 52 next week. And I think we're actually joining... Um, Thomas Rojala again to talk about the Urantia book book. and that series. We have a lot of really exciting guests coming up in 2018. Um, Some major voices in the spiritual community in Charlotte and beyond. There's people contacting us from around the country who've written books and are doing all kinds of work and sometimes they're not in the country and so we have to figure out who all those people are and and, uh, do our spiritual Charlotte schedule. So Thank you so much for joining the show. And you can learn more about us at spiritualcharlotte.com or our home base, which is lighthousespiritualcenter.com, located in Mooresville, North Carolina. Have a great week.